Okay, we want to say welcome to everybody watching online, whether you're watching on our local television show or online around the world. We're so glad to have you. Welcome to the weekend at Waters Church. Everybody here at 930, let's welcome them in. Give them a hand. We're so glad that you're with us. All right, uh, New Year Happy, part two. Take out now in your bulletins, if you will, the uh, note page, it looks like this. And we want you to follow along and fill in the blanks uh, as we go through this message. And we're talking about happiness because many times we have this idea of, or this desire to be happy, but we don't know how to get there. We don't know how to get there. And so part two of New Year Happy, part two, the title is The Happiness, I'm sorry, The Habit, or sorry, The Happiness Habit, the happiness habit of hearing from God. The happiness habit of hearing from God. So, we started last week talking about the fact that much of our life is lived like this. There we go. And we want to get to where? We want to get to this. But what did I say last week? That there is, actually remember, last week it was this. All right, there we go. All right, what is between this and this? Well, right now, Pastor Tim is, okay. I am the secret to your happiness. <laughs> no, there is a space, somebody say space. space. There is a space between crappy and happy. And what we put in that space makes all the difference. And what I said last week was so important and I hope that you remember but we said that it was habits. It's not just a couple of plans, it's not a resolution. It's intentional and repeated behaviors that actually start to become natural rhythms to our lives. I wanna say that line again. They become natural rhythms to our lives. We are not people of action. I know we think we are, we aren't. We are people of habit. We even say that, oh, we're just creatures of habits. Some people say, I have a highly addictive personality. Okay, yes you do. And so does every other human on the face of the earth. <laughs> we get addicted to things. We get stuck into habits. Some people get stuck into bad habits. A lot of people do. Some people get, know how to shape their lives around good habits. And so the space is not just about decisions, and it's not just about what you want to do, it's about shaping the rhythm of your existence. Last week, we said get to the house of God, and I said a couple of simple statements about happiness that I wanna repeat this week so that we reemphasize what we're doing today. Last week I said happiness does not just happen, fill in the blank, happiness does not just happen. You will not just be happy by nature. It's the right habits that make happiness happen. It's the things that you keep doing that feed your life in a positive way. And so you've gotta take ownership of your habits and you've gotta be deliberate about what you fall into repetitively because what you are is a creature of habit and the right habits will make happiness happen. Conversely, the wrong habits will rob us of our happiness. So this week, here's the simple statement I want you to write down, because it's so true. Um, habits do not start as habits, 
Okay, not rocket science, but it's true. And we need to kind of just identify that. We don't start a habit by a habit. No, habits become habits and they never started as habits. Here's how most start, here's how most habits start. That sounds like a good idea. And many of the habits that we have right now, if we were, if we were really to think about them way back, maybe years ago, one time we said, that sounds like a good idea to something that at the moment sounded like a good idea. And now because of that, we did it and we liked it and we did it again and we did, and liked it a little bit more and we did it again. And then before we knew it, we were in the habit and it just happens by nature. And you are the result of those moments. You are the result right now. And I am the result of my moments. My life right now is extraordinarily busy. And I wanna say like this, compared to last year at this exact time, my life has gone crazy busy. Like busyness scale last year, I was here. And now I am here. And do you know why? Because I have some new habits that I picked up from last year. And I know when they started. They started when I said, to some, when I said this to something. I said, that sounds like a good idea. And this year I'm living with what I said last year. That sounds like a good idea. Here's what happened. Are you ready? Here's what happened. A certain friend of mine showed me a picture of a little baby puppy boxer and said, you should get one of these. And I, without the discernment of the Holy Spirit, said, guess. There you go, you're with me 930, thank you. That sounds like a good idea. And I went out and I paid money. Again, no discernment. Paid money for a baby boxer. And I liked it. I did. I was so cute. And I didn't wait for it to grow. And I did something even crazier. I went out and bought another baby boxer. So y'all knew about the first one, right? You didn't know I was an idiot and got a second one. I have a picture of them right here. Here's my two babies. Just say hello to Jackson Zoe. There they are. <laughs> Look, at, you can't even see Zoe's face. But I'll tell you, she is the most beautiful little girl. I love those little puppies. Now, some of you remember me. I was the anti-dog guy. And I just want to make sure we're clear about something. I'm still the anti-dog guy. Do not get puppies. <laughs> And I don't like your dogs. Don't start bringing pictures of your dogs to me. Don't start saying, oh, well, let's have a doggy date. I'm not into that, okay? I only like two dogs on the planet, those two, all right? I'm sorry. I'm one of those kind of parents. But my life now, because I said that sounds like a good idea then, has gotten crazy busy now. Now I have some new habits. Um, one of those habits has a lot to do with this. <laughs> 
Uh, another one of those habits, actually I like, um, I'm walking more than I ever have before. I'm walking all the time. I gotta take those two little puppies for walks and we go all around our neighborhood. Uh, there's another habit that Cheryl and I have picked up. We've gotten to know people in our neighborhood like never before. Who knew that the key to the neighborhood was to have a puppy? Everybody suddenly wants to know who we are. We had three children, nobody cared. We got two puppies, everybody's like, oh, hello, they're introducing it. So it's been an opportunity to talk to them about the church and Jesus and all that stuff. So those puppies, I'm claiming them as a tax deduction this year because <laughs> they're actually now part of my business, okay? Um, so this is what I'm trying to say, though, is habits don't start as habits. They don't. At some point, and, and if you look at your life and you look at the things that you do that you don't like, you can trace it back to a moment where somebody or somebody said to you, try this, or you didn't even have somebody say it to you, you just tried it, and it sounded like a good idea at the time, and now you're living with the habit because you liked it. And, and I am now living with a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of this and a lot of exercise now because someone else said, who shall remain nameless, Let's just refer to him for the sake of anonymity as Executive Pastor S. Um, <laughs> said to me, you should do this. And I said, without the discernment of the Holy Spirit, that sounds like a good idea. And so here's my, here's my fundamental point. Who are you letting speak into your life? Because they will say a lot of, you should do this. You should try that. Have you ever thought of this? And if you do not have the discernment that God wants you to have as his child, you could end up with some bad habits as a result of one moment where somebody suggests something. For good or for bad. Don't take this as all negative because there's a lot of good habits that you have because of people speaking into your life. But there's a lot of bad. And, and here's what God wants for you. Before you listen, to others and yourself. He wants you to listen to him. Romans chapter 12, real quick about this passage. Paul says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living, what's the next word? Sacrifice. Sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And then he says, do not be, what's that word? Conformed, and the Greek word here for conformed is intentional. It means to be pressed in from the outside. Do not be pressed in from the outside to this world. The world has a pressure system. You've got to be aware of this, Christian, or it will cost you dearly. And not everybody has your best interest in mind. And if you don't listen to God, you will inevitably listen to other people who have no heart for God. And they will conform you to a person you don't want to be. And then he says, not just to avoid the conformity to the world, but, but be transformed. And the word there in Greek is metamorphosi. It means to be transformed from the inside out. It's the same word that the scriptures use about the transfiguration of Jesus that he's shown from the inside out. And this is the process by which God changes us. 
I'm so glad God does not change us from the outside in. He changes us from the inside out. He transforms our heart and it gives birth to the fruit of our lives. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What are you putting in here? Then you may be able to discern. Oh, discern. Underline that word in the text there. Underline that word. That's big. Discern what is good. The will of God. What is good, acceptable, and perfect. So here's what the scripture warns us about. Don't let other people push you or press you into a mold that creates a life that you don't like. Are you hearing me? Fact, it is a very unhappy thing to live someone else's life. It is. Now in the 80s when I was growing up, it was the rock and roll stars and the celebrities who were telling us, don't conform. Don't let other people tell you how to live your life. And in fact, as recently as 2005, it was Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple, at uh, the commencement address for Stanford University who said these words, your time is limited, so don't waste your life by living someone else's. And everybody said, yes. Conformity is bad. But when I look at the world today, I see people who are all conformed to the same pattern. Are you hearing me? There's a pattern in the world, Christian, that if you aren't aware, uh, you will be pressed into it, and God is speaking to you saying, stop listening to all the other voices and tune your ears to mine so that I can give you the direction of your life that you will look back on and you will say, oh, thank God I listened to the one who loved me and created me and formed me in my mother's womb, and not only that, but died for me on a bloody cross. Amen? So week two habit is that. Dive deep, delve deep, sorry, into the word of God regularly. Psalm 1. Psalm 1, would you stand with me as we read? Sorry, I gave you that last point too early, before, right before I said stand. So feel free to fill in the blanks and then stand. All right. Verse 1, Psalm 1. Blessed is the man. And the word there for Hebrew in blessed is, uh, the, the word for blessed in Hebrew here is ashrei. It means happy. It means happy. So he's literally saying happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, or stands in the way of sinners, or sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree. He's happy because he's like a tree. Here, look. Planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind sweeps away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment or sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is God's word. Can we pray together? Father, I ask that our eyes will be open and our ears will be attuned and we will hear you. 
Lord, what I love about this moment that we gather together every week and we, when we do this, what I love, Father, is that right now no one is on social media feeds, no one is watching television, no one is listening to someone else. God, we want to hear from you. And so as we have silenced our lives, as we have quieted our atmosphere, may our ears be opened and our hearts be receptive to hear what you say. And help us to see Jesus. In his name we pray. And everybody said a big. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a seat. Three points from this text about happiness. Number one, I am happy when I stop listening to everyone's advice. <laughs> now, when I read this text in Psalm 1, I immediately thought, wait a second. The, the psalm, which talks about happy, actually tells us what not to do before it tells us what to do. And I thought, Lord, why? Why do you always have to start with a negative? Why do you always have to start with a not? Because most of us think happiness is on the other side of a do, not a not. But what you have to understand is that Psalm 1 is the introduction to the Psalms. It is the preface, if you will. And it is inviting us into the psalmist experience of getting wisdom from God. And here's what he's saying. He's saying that if you want to hear from God, you have to stop intentionally. You have to stop listening to everyone else. And you have to stop listening to everyone else. Why? Because everyone else has got a tainted or distorted view of the world. This is the scripture's um, description of the human condition. Some of us don't believe this. In fact, most non-Christians don't believe this. Most people believe that humans are basically good, right? This is like the common mantra of our world. This is why our world will tell people, follow your heart, go with your gut, follow your instincts, and something as foolish as this, be true to who? <laughs> Yourself. These are the mantras of our age because mankind has made a fatal miscalculation about the heart of mankind. And the fatal miscalculation about the heart of mankind is that mankind is basically good. And I've got bad news for you. The Bible is very clear that the basic inclination of men's hearts is basically evil with the capacity to do some good. This is called in the theological world uh, depravity. Now, depravity does not mean that you are totally corrupt. It just means that you are distorted totally. There is a distortion to your will. There is a distortion to your wants. There is a distortion to your hopes. There is a distortion to how you see the world, how you see yourself, how you see others. There is a misalignment. Sin came in and misaligned, broke the communion and fellowship with God, and now we are misaligned or misdirected. And, and we might just be five or so degrees off. Some people are like 30 degrees off. Some people are like a 180 degrees off. We call those people children. <laughs> and I always get a kick out of people who say, I believe people are basically good. And I find that the people who say that people are basically good are all the same. They don't have kids. <laughs> have a child because you do not need to 
teach that child to rebel against you. You don't need to teach that child to scream and throw spaghetti on the floor and throw a fit and kick and scream and not want to go to bed and not want to do what is healthy for him. No, deep inside all of us is a distorted reality that needs to be realigned and it can only be realigned by the one who came in the truth and is the truth, Jesus Christ, the righteous son of God. Now, this is Scripture's prescription about the human heart. Look at those texts that I have there in your notes for you. Genesis 6, 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every, somebody say every, every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Now, you look at that passage and then you tell yourself, just be true to yourself. That's bad. Look at Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things. I say this on a regular basis. Let me say it again. The person who lies to you more than anybody is you. And he said, it's and it's desperately sick. Who can understand it? I mean, how many know, you can look back on your life 10 years ago and say, why was I so stupid? But you gotta realize that 10 years from now, you'll be looking back on this moment right now and saying, why was I so stupid? Your heart is deceitful. Jesus says in Mark 7, right aligned with Genesis and Jeremiah, for from within, out of the heart, come evil thoughts, sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, evil, slander, pride, foolishness, all of these things come from the television. No. Come from rock and roll. No. Come from drugs. No. Come from Washington, D.C. Yes. No. Uh, no. And they, they come from within, and they defile a person. So the, the, the scriptures are clear. And this is why, back to my main point, this is why the psalmist starts with saying, stop listening to everybody. Because everybody is tainted. Everybody is slightly misaligned. And yeah, even Christians can be misaligned. You say, Pastor, you're a pastor, you're telling me not to listen to you? No, I'm telling you to listen to me as long as what I tell you is based on what God tells you. Are you hearing me? You, you have every right, and you know what? <laughs> this sounds funny coming from a pastor, but I would love it. I would love it. I would not be in the least intimidated. If you listened to me on the weekend and then you went home and you searched the scriptures to make sure that what I said was true. I love that. Like, this is why I ask you to open your Bibles. Some of you are so willing every week to just take my word for it. I'm sure it's in there because he's reading. I don't know. I, I, I'll go with whatever he says. Okay, that's not a discerning Spirit, this is how a guy named Jim Jones takes 800 people to the jungles of Guyana in 1973 and gets them to drink cyanide-laced Kool-Aid and kills them. Drinking the Kool-Aid that comes from a Christian minister who misaligned God's people and deceived them. My point to you is this, you gotta learn how to block out some voices before you learn how to listen to the one voice that's worth listening to. And so here's the fact. This, let's put this more simply in your notes. I will never suffer from a shortage of bad advice. <laughs> I will never suffer from a shortage of bad advice. You know, the scriptures are related to food in the Bible. 
Jesus calls it the bread of life. In fact, he is the bread of life because he is the living word, right? And he tells us to feed on him. Even the Old Testament tells us to feed on God's word. Jesus, when he was tempted by the devil, said to the devil, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He was quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 8. And so what Jesus is saying uh, that the, is this, is that God's word is like spiritual food for your spiritual life, and the power and strength of your life is sustained by God's word going into your life. See, the food in your cabinet is doing you no good right now. It's the food that you consume that strengthens you. And so you feed on God's word and you eat it and listen. This is why I say that is related to food. Because just like in the natural, I believe that the natural is definitely speaking to us about supernatural realities. Just like in the natural, you need to have a discerning, intentional um, attitude and habit about what you put into your body physically. Guess what? You also need a discerning and deliberate, intentional attitude concerning the spiritual food that you intake into your body. And how many know that there is no shortage of bad food? Yeah? Like this is America. We consume more fast food than any nation on the face of the earth. And we are also the nation that struggles with the most obesity. And there's a corollary there. And what we say, what we know in this culture is there's plenty of bad food options. You gotta be intentional, you gotta be deliberate, you gotta be dedicated, you gotta, you gotta think about what you eat. And what I'm saying to you, what the scripture is saying to you is this, you gotta think about who you listen to because everybody's distorted and you will never have someone truly give you absolutely pure advice. There's only one who can do that and that is Jesus Christ, the righteous son of God. This is why we fast. This is why we fast. So that we can say no to the body and yes to the spirit and start to attenuate our ears to God's voice. So let's just take a look one more time at verse one. Blessed is the man who walks not in the, look at the counsel of the wicked and he does not stand in the way of sinners and he does not sit in the seat of scoffers. Counsel, way, seating. Notice the progression. Counsel is another word for advice. Uh, way is another word for action. And sitting in the Jewish mind refers to belonging. You, in the Jewish world, you sat with who you were. So if you were a man, you sat with the men. If you were young, you sat with the young. If you were old, you sat with the old. So notice now the trajectory of this text. First you listen to what they say. Then you do what they tell you. And then before you know it, you become them. And, how, and what, does it, what do we become? At the end, the, the, the warning of Scripture is this, that you sit in the seat of the scoffers. Scoffers are not happy. <laughs> They're not. And Christian, child of God, you will learn this, that the more you are intentional about doing what God wants you to do and not what everybody else wants you to do, the more you'll hear the chirping scoffers in your ear. Uh, I think about Russell Wilson. He's the quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks, and he's dating Ciara. I think they're married now. But when he was dating a couple years ago, news came out that they had decided to do a Christian thing. They had decided that they would not have sex until marriage. And the world scorned them. 
How archaic, how Victorian, how, how ridiculous, scorners. But listen, I'm telling you that the reason why they're scorners is because they refuse to listen to God and they live with the consequences of their own actions and they do not like watching other people succeed as they follow the voice of God. This is why the scripture opens up with two brothers. One gives his best to God, Abel. One gives the leftovers to God, Cain. And Cain ends up killing Abel. Why? Because he knew his actions were bad and Abel's right, actions were righteous. And Christian, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you've got to learn how to handle the scorn and the criticism of those who don't love God. Let them look at the trail of your life and see the goodness and the blessing and say what they will. You follow your father in peace and security in Jesus' name. This past week, Karen Pence, the vice president's wife, took a job, a private job at a private school teaching, she's a Christian, teaching at a Christian school. Now, mind you, this is not a political endorsement. She took a job as a Christian at a Christian school. And if you followed the news at all this week, you heard the scorn because the school that she works at has the audacity to do what Christians have done for 2,000 years, which is this, believe that marriage is between a man and a woman. And the ridicule and the mocking and the scorning that came her way, I can't tell you. Because she's a Christian. <laughs> That's it. She did something Christians do. And listen, this is what we live in now. And you've got to learn how to follow the voice of your shepherd rather than the voice of the scoffer because the scoffer does not want what's best for you. Your father wants what's best for you. But if you listen to them, if you follow them, if you let them shape you, especially young people, if you let them shape you, if you let them, tell, if you let them shame you, into doing what God wants you to do, you're the one that loses. They don't have a vested interest in what your life becomes. And the person, you might want to write this in the margin of your notes, but the, the person who bears the brunt of your bad decisions is you. Like, we don't think about that. So is this best for me? And, and so write this down, this is in your notes. I will become whoever I follow. I will become whoever I choose to follow. Don't follow the voices of our scoffing society. Silence them. Blessed is the man. Happy is the man who learns how to ignore people. Because they don't have, they don't have your best interest in mind. They've got no investment. They've got no investment in who you become. Number two, I will be happy when I long for the voice of God. Okay, so ignoring, it starts with ignoring because you are inundated with bad advice from all angles. Oh, just a little parenthetical statement. I said this last night and I want to say it again. Um, children, obey your parents, scriptural. So I'm not telling children in this house, ignore mom and dad. Employees, obey your bosses. And citizens of a government, listen to your government authorities, obey the law. That's not what I'm saying. I, I think that goes without saying, but just in case anybody walked out here and thought I was giving you advice like that, I'm not. <laughs> so follow the rules. <laughs> Number two, though, 
listen to the voice of God. Ignore people and tune your ear to God. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Now, the unfortunate English translators um, gave us that word, that three-little word, law. And I say it's unfortunate because that's the word in Hebrew is Torah. And the better translation, the better direct translation of the Hebrew Torah here is not law, but instructions. Because I say that because when we think of laws, we only think of one thing, the negative, what we shouldn't do. And some of us have a relationship with God's word like you have a relationship with the sign at the public pool. You go to the public pool, and what's on the sign? What's at the top of the sign inside the area of the public pool? What does it say? Pool rules. And so we have a list, maybe six or seven commandments. No running. No diving. No horseplay. Uh, no glass. Right? And some of us think, See, that's, that's God's word right there. That's just there to tell me what I don't do, what I shouldn't do, and woe to me if I do do them. Wrong. That's how, you, that's how people see the word, but it's not. That's seeing it as a law, and what you need to see the scriptures as is instruction, Torah. The Jews believed that God instructed them in the good life. He will lead me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. This, how? Because my Father, my Creator is instructing me. Now you think about the pool is got, has got the pool rules, but if you go with your mom and your dad, they bring you to the pool to learn how to swim, they will give you a swim instructor. And there is a huge difference between the pool rule sign and the pool, the swimming instructor. The swimming instructor teaches you how to master the water. That's God's word. God's word teaches you how to master the waters of your life. And so my question to you is, where are you drowning? Some of you are drowning financially. We even have a term for drowning financially. What do we say? We say, we're underwater. I'm drowning. Some of you are drowning financially with your mortgage. We even say that. Our, their mortgage, oh, they're in the house, they're underwater. It's a funny thing that we use that as a term because we have, that's the feeling of life when our life is out of source because we've listened to bad advice. We are the ones who are not able to breathe. And so where are you? Like some of you, that's, it's fine. It's, guess what? Good news. Waters Church has a class. It's called Financial Peace. It's based on God's word on how to do money God's way because God knows a thing or two about managing resources. We know this because we know he runs the universe. And in my opinion, if you know how to run a universe, you know how to run a budget. Like, right? <laughs> Financial peace. Take our class. That's what it's there for. Uh, some of you are underwater relationally. Your marriage is underwater because you keep doing the things that God says not to do and you keep not doing the things that God says to do. The swimming instructor has said, husbands, love your wives. And husbands have decided, no, I'm gonna berate her and I'm gonna cast her down. I'm gonna call her names. I'm gonna do all those things. And I wonder why my marriage stinks. Or wives, 
God's word says, respect and submit. Listen, respect and submit. Oh, that word submit. How dare you, pastor? How dare you? Okay, how's it going for you? How's the nagging working? How's the yelling at him and, 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 and berating him and disrespecting him? How's that working? Because it's not gonna work. It's like ignoring the pool instructor and you're wondering why you're not swimming well. You're wondering why you're not, you're underwater. The swimming instructor wants to teach you how to master the atmosphere. Um, business leaders. Some of you are underwater with your business. And the reason why is because, first off, you think it's your business. And secondly, you don't listen to God about business because you think that this is just about, this is what you do, business leaders. Listen to me very careful. You think this book is all about praying and fasting and has nothing to do with the real world of money and finances. Wrong. I was at a business CEO leaders meeting this past week. One of our CEOs in this church, we have several, invited me to come as a guest. And I, I was really, it was really a wonderful atmosphere. One of them got up and shared a testimony about his non-Christian CEO friend that he invited to this monthly gathering of Christian CEOs. And when he invited his non-Christian CEO friend, the guy came and scoffed the whole time. Why? Because he followed the way of the world and become a scoffer. Oh, you Christians, this stuff. What do you guys know? But for some reason, he came back a month later to the second meeting. And he scoffed a little less. And then the, between the second meeting and the third meeting, he decided to take up a challenge that they offered him to read the book of Proverbs because Proverbs is 31 chapters. And that means you can get through a, the book of Proverbs in one month if you read one chapter a day. So he did. And he came back to the third Christian CEO meeting and he was livid. He was mad. Why? They said, because he said, I have wasted so much money on business practices books when all the practices of good business originally come from the Bible. And he was like mad as if somebody had like shielded the wizard behind the curtain his whole life. And the point that I'm trying to make to you is this. Don't you believe that God wants it to go well with you? Don't you believe that God wants you to master the water? Don't you believe that God wants you swimming strong and mightily for his glory and for your good? Of course he does. Listen. On his law, he meditates day and night. What's the words day and night mean? It means rhythm. 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 I don't want to go to bed before I listen to my father. I get up in the morning and before I go on social media, I listen to my father. And before I turn on the television, I listen to my father. Rhythm. Create the rhythm of listening to God and you'll be better equipped to ignore the screaming voices of the world. I'm just telling you. The other night I was in the word of God private time with the word with me is time that I do not work on my messages. It's very hard for me to get there because I want to preach what I learned, but I have to have, I've learned over the years, it's taken me about 20 years to get to this point where I have private time for me, which I don't share with you, and then I have time in the word for you. The other night I was going through 1 Samuel 17, and I had never seen, it was a very simple phrase I had never seen about David. This is how God spoke to me. It said that David, when he came to the battle with Goliath, it said that he was a young man of war. And right there, God spoke to me about something. You know what he said to me? David was a young man. He was 17 years old, and he had already experienced war and conflict. And the Lord spoke into my spirit, and he said, Tim, 
Most people try to avoid conflict because they think it's bad for them. But David was well equipped to face Goliath because of the conflict that I handed him. So learn how to embrace the conflict in your life so that you're stronger for the Goliaths that are coming. That was just a 30-minute moment with my father. And it was just, whoa, yes, God. This is what can happen with you. But you gotta learn how to make it a rhythm for your life, day and night, so that you get stronger and better and well-equipped to handle life and swim through the waters. So number three, I will be happy. When, I, when my life is con consistently, sorry, consistently productive. Again, this speaks to the idea that Satan has, has lied to people about, that, the, that God's word doesn't really want anything good for you. It's just there to tell you what not to do. No, look what he says. He is like a tree planted, firm, strong, by streams of water, yields his fruit in season, leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he, say the last word, everybody, very important word. You will be productive as you listen to God. Jesus came to undo the lie that so many people listen to about the devil. John 10.10, 10, he tells us straight, he says, listen, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. God wants to give you a rich and satisfying life. Three things, three benefits. Here's the production that God's word will bring into your life. Yields its fruit in its season. Now, I love this because it's just making clear about the, uh, this very clear. Not every season is a fruit-bearing season. Some seasons are planting seasons. Some seasons are watering seasons. But God's word you plant it, you water it, and eventually the fruit comes out of it, all right? I don't know when I'm gonna need that conflict lesson that God gave me about David. I don't know. I'm actually kind of worried about it now. <laughs> but it's coming, and I'll be, okay, God, here's the conflict. Now I need this. Let's go. Let me get stronger. Yields its fruit in season. Number two, leaf does not wither. Leaf speaks to protection. What you do is you start to build up leaves in your life so that the sun and the scorching winds don't rob you of your happiness. There's a parallel passage in Jeremiah 17, 8. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear, so underline when, does not fear when the heat comes. The heat will come and its leaves remain green and it's not anxious for year of drought. In other words, Christians, one of the best things that God's word can tell you is that there's gonna be some seasons that are a struggle and drought and heat and you if you are in the word have already got the system of protection in place whereby the heat will not burn you and the dryness will not suffocate you and you will be strong even in the sun-scorched land and lastly in all that he does he prospers in all that he does he prospers he can get to the point where you prosper in every area now notice it's not the reward for doing what is good, it is the natural processes for doing what is right. A tree bears fruit not as a reward for being a good tree, but as a pro natural process of having the right conditions. The right conditions exist in God's word. Make it a habit, and God will bless your life for it. Psalm 91, I close with this. Look at this. Verse 14. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him, I will protect him.
because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. And I love this verse 16. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. How many people live a long life in this country and aren't satisfied? You want to get to that point where you're ready to cross from this life to the next and look back on it and say, it was good. God was faithful. That can be yours. It'll make you happy, I'm telling you. But it's got to be a habit of hearing God.